All right, welcome back to another episode of Scoop TV and We're All One Big Trojan Family podcast here on this special Mother's Day episode. Mark and Josh, we're taking on questions from the USC Scoop subscribers. We're answering questions that range anywhere from football to basketball. Who are the USC running backs? How are they going to be utilized? What's Keenan Kristen's role going to be when he shows up, when he's finished running track this season? We're also asking about who are some of the newcomers? Who, you know, who are we looking forward to? How are they going to affect the team? What roles will they play? Uh, one of the questions about basketball, what's Isaiah Mobley going to do? And, you know, how does he affect the team and their makeup if he stays, if he goes? These are just some of the things we talk about on this episode. And then we also uh, tackle a question, a hypothetical, about a specific Pac-12 coach from the North Division, if he were to somehow or another entertain the uh, idea of being USC's next head coach. The position's not open, but we tackle the question nonetheless. We hope you enjoy this episode on uscscoop.com. Fight on. Hello, and welcome to a Mother's Day edition of Scoop TV. I'm your host, Josh Ann. Join with Mark Culkin today. We've got a bunch of questions lined up for y'all. Uh, Mark, how are you? I'm doing good. How's your mom? Mom's doing well. I spent the day with her. Yeah. Very chill day. Very chill day. Yep. Did you get her a nice card? Oh, uh, I uh, gave it to her verbally. We talked about <laughs> it. So we do things in the on household. There you go. Hey, Ma, I love you. Get out of my room now. <laughs> good morning good afternoon dinner's ready communication there you go so yeah it's been a it's been a, been a good day other than the dodgers lost again yeah. so. well i'm sure a lot of uh usca dodger fans are also feeling your pain um, with spring wrapped up now and we're fully into the off season and we're kind of in that weird limbo between spring football and the June recruiting period restarting where, you know, as everybody's mentioned that, you know, it's about to get really, really crazy in the recruiting world. So before that, we wanted to spend some time to hash out any questions you all may have. And we've got a bunch of them. So thank you for that. We'll do this again in the future. So Mark and I can talk things out. All yeah. right, we'll start with this question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's cool that uh, we're doing this for the, for the USC subscribers on this Mother's Day, taking time out of our lives. So because we have nothing better to do, so. <laughs> all right here's the uh first one or two question how would you rank the running backs and who is the primary and backup slash change of pace back in your mind as of may 9th 2021 yeah so i you know i actually wrote about this uh the other day uh, i'm gonna try and make life easier for mike jinx um you know they want to rely on a you know like kind of a a lead back and then have a secondary back so to speak um, you've got, you literally have five running backs in that room, legitimate running backs, even though Keenan's been running track this spring. Um, I don't know how you're going to keep that room happy, uh, with one running back, you know, during the spring, what I saw, they did a lot of two back sets. And I think that's the answer, uh, to the, you know, to the puzzle, so to speak. Um, other than, you know, let's, let's get the running game going. Um, 
I think they're always going to have at least two running backs on the field at one time. So if I was to go 1A, 1B, and then, you know, the, the leftover, so to speak, um, I, I think you're going to pair up a Stephen Carr with, you know, a, a player like a, a Brandon Ingram or a, a, a Brandon Campbell or a Keontae Ingram. Um, you've got a Vavai Malapai who you could, you know, put back there with one of those guys. You're always going to have a strong guy who could block and pick up, you know, a blitz, but also somebody who can be out there that can, you know, get open and, and receive the ball. Um, I need to see that they're, they, they're going to keep that emphasis, you know, focused on the run game. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to have a, Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to do the, the one back guy twenty carries a game. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how that's going to how that's going to flow in the locker room. Right. I mean, well, I think that if they if that is the case, and they circle like one main guy and the one you know change of pace guy, it's hard to imagine. Like, let's say because one of if Keontae, let's say Keontae Ingram is pretty set on becoming at least one A or one B in that sure. sense, right? Sure. That leaves out Vavaya Malapea or Stephen Carr, two guys who are in their last, like literally the last year of eligibility, right? Correct. What's the incentive for them to stay at USC? Like, I know they love USC and they talk about it, but let's just be, let's just be real here, right? Like they deserve the chance to go play somewhere else. Like, and so it's, I, I think that's what you're kind of alluding to in terms of the locker room. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like I said, um, we were able to see 10 of the, what, they had 15 spring practices. Uh, we're, we're not there on Thursdays. So I have a feeling that's the day that they're really working on, you know, their scheme and what they're going to try and do during the season. Um, what we hopefully get to see during player run practices this summer uh, might give us some more hints and maybe connect the dots a little bit further. So to answer the question, um, I can only tell you what I saw for 10 practices, which was a lot of two back sets. And um, as we got closer to the end of spring, you know, the guys were kind of a little bit dinged up. So you might've saw some, we did see some one back sets throughout the spring, but I think the answer is you're always gonna see at least two running backs on the field, just because of their versatility. Now you've got five running backs. Um, Someone asked, you know, where does Keenan Kristen fall into this mix? You know, does he have a chance? I think that was SC the one, was that one of these Mm -hmm. questions? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good place to uh, transition. The question was, will Kenny Christian have a chance to break into the lineup? Yeah. And can he be used in more of a slot receiver role to get him on the field? And, you know, that's definitely going to be something they're going to have to look at. Because while he's running track, he he's falling behind. You know, there's no other way to say it. So he might be that leftover that's going to have to obviously work extra hard once he does show up for football. But, you know, he's already behind the other guys. You know, I hate to say it that way, but that's the fact. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the truth. I mean, there's no other way to, there's no right. way to put it, right? right? It's not like USC has a, has a lack of talent in that room right now. Like Mike Jinx, when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, he was very honest about it. It's, it's tough. It's very hard for him to find reps for these guys. And it's hard to, um, for him to figure out who's going to be that lead guy. And there's a lot of time left. So we'll see. In terms of him being a slot receiver role, I mean, he certainly got the speed to do it. 
whether he's got the the route running prowess. I haven't seen it personally. I don't know if you have, but. Well, we obviously we haven't seen him since last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that when he has the ball in open space, um, he's going to be really hard to catch. So now, can we see some creativity from Graham Harrell on the play calling? Where if they do line him up in the backfield, do they move him out to the slot? Do they put wherever they line him up? Do they put him in motion? Where now the defense is in a chase mode. You know, don't make him have to press a defender off the line of scrimmage. Obviously, that's not who he is. So get him out in space. So again, I think Keenan, he's gonna have to be, he's gonna be working extra hard once he shows up. Yeah. He's uh he's gotta play catch up. And yeah. I think, you know, we're just being transparent about that. And you know, he's a talented guy and we'll see what happens from there, right? Yeah, it's nothing against Keenan. You know, I, I want to no, see. The, not at all. Yeah, I want to see the dude excel. But if he's not out there, he's not out there. So I guess the question is, you know, they're trying to develop that culture on the football team. You know, who's and you hate to say he's not one hundred percent bought in, but who are the guys out there? Is Keenan one hundred percent invested in football, or obviously track is a big part of his life? And he's really, really good at it too. And he's really, really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Keenan is fast, fast. So yeah, he's got legit, legit speed. There you go. All right. Well, that's kind of our uh, running back breakdown for the episode. We'll be shifting our focus over now to the tight ends. What will be the rotation of the tight ends? Who is the primary? We'll we'll do these two questions first. Yeah. What will be the rotation of the tight ends, and who is the primary for running slash pass protection plays and for receiving plays? Do you see a difference there? Yes. Um, you know, obviously we were, again, short personnel on tight ends this spring. But E.K., Eric Cromenhope, you know, doctor. Um, doctor. <laughs> he's their primary blocking tight end. And I, I don't, and that's not to say he can't catch the ball out, you know, when, when he's running the routes. But for the time being, that's his primary role. So, um, you know, last year, what did we see, you know, in that tight end role? We saw a lot of blocking on occasion. We would see, you know, EK out there making some catches. But the the role of the tight end was more of, you know, Drake London running the scene. Um, and, you know, there's an interesting, intriguing prospect coming in uh, who was recently announced, Malcolm Epps, not Omar Epps, Malcolm Epps. Um, what is he, 6'6", 250 pounds? Big dude, big. Yeah, I mean that that you know that's the type of player that Stanford used to kill USC with uh, in the red zone or on you know those sideline um, back shoulder passes. So you know, are they going to use him at tight end? Are they going to use him more in that big wide receiver role? You know, is Josh Fallow going to be healthy because he is you know could be their best receiving threat from that position. Lake McCree, you know, he's he's green, but, you know, let's give him a chance to kind of grow into the position. Um, and, you know, and then you've got the guys from, what, the, the 2019 class, Jude Wolf and Ethan Ray. Can they get healthy and can they contribute? I, I can't offer anymore until they, they're out there. So right now, you know, everything kind of falls on EK's shoulders until we see 
that room kind of come together and maybe we'll see the Titans used. You know, Coach Daigie is now in charge of them. And we've been told again <laughs> that the Titans are a big part, you know, of this offense. And when they're used, you'll see the offense be what it can be. Yeah, and it's clear they really, really trust DK too. He's kind yeah. of a steady presence, you know. He's he's the guy that's always on the the Zoom, the Zoom calls with the media, and he, he does really well with that. Very well spoken guy, very solid guy, just consistent. Yeah, just consistent in everything he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one I, name. I, yeah, one name. I just want to say one name that we haven't mentioned is Michael Trigg, who's said to come from this summer, and we'll see what what kind of role he fills in as well. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was just, no, thank you for bringing I was just going to say, with EK, you, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is he, is he the best guy running routes? Probably not. <laughs> but he's capable. Yeah. You know, his, his role right now is to help that line, help along the offensive line, help that running game get going. And if he could leak him out, you know, two, three times a game, move the, keep the chains moving, isn't that really the function of the tight end anyways? You know, he's kind of that prototypical old school tight end. Yep. Let's, let's use him, you know, get creative with him. Yeah. He's uh, he's not going to be a Travis Kelsey or Robert Kelsey, but no, he, no, he gets the but, job but, done. But Michael Trigg might be one day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you know, I hate to, you know, try and project and, and say, you know, this guy's going to do that. I got to see them up close. You know, yeah. I, I know oh, yeah. what kind of athlete he is. I've seen his, you know, huddle highlights. I've seen him on a basketball court. Dude's a freak. You know, he, he might be the next Drake London for all we know. Bigger and better. I don't know yet until, I, until he puts those pads on. And I think we, you know, Clay, you know, I hate to bring in Clay in this because we're not really talking about him right now, but Clay always says, like, right, like when you get into Kali, you look, you look these guys in the eyes. Right. And some of these dudes have it and they don't have it. Right. So, you know, it's another, it's one of those things where you just got to get them on campus and see what they're up to. I do think you bring up an interesting point, though, because I think there's two different types of tight ends in the room right now. Yeah. There's, your, there's the blocking type and Eric Croman Hope, and then there's the receiving types like Michael Trigg and Malcolm Epstarts that's come in. I'm curious, and this is part of the question as well, will we play mostly with zero, one, or two tight ends in our formation? Well, we only had one available this spring. And I should kick that back. You know, there's a couple of walk-ons, um, Hollenquist and uh, Mahoney, who were, were actually very serviceable this spring. So, but, you know, let's be realistic again. They're not going to be playing this season if the rest of the complement is healthy and ready to go. So I guess, you know, if Jude Wolf is healthy, you know, is he more of an Eric Cromenhoek type? Or is he more of a Malcolm X type? You know, because he's got that same type of size. Same, similar with Ethan Ray. You know, these dudes are tall. They're rangy. Um, so I would hope we would see more two tight end sets. But I would also hope that we have enough tight ends to run those sets. Yeah, by, by the end of the spring, it was pretty tough across the board. I mean, yeah. by now, those clips of Kerry Colbert um, running around and stuff, and he looks spry out there. Hey, if you if you're into wondering how good these NFL athletes are, man, Kerry Colbert is, right? You know, years from playing, and he's looking spry out there. He's looking explosive. Good stuff. Yeah. It made me wonder what year it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure if Kerry had to go out there and play one game in the CFL or 
maybe even that that spring league that's going on, he, he could probably get a one or two receptions. Yeah, I believe. All right, let's shift our focus over to special teams now. Our next question is, from what you've seen, who will be the number one punt returner? And what about kickoff returners? Yeah, so I like Katie Nixon at that punt return, or I like to see mm-hmm. Gary Bryant. Um, I want to see somebody who's got the ability to make somebody miss and then put a foot in the ground and go. And I think those two guys probably fit that description the best right now. Um, you know, but there's other candidates back there. You know, they, they were trying a whole bunch of guys, Stephen Carr, Keontae, um, Brandon uh, Campbell. So, but those would be the two guys I'd like to see. Um, I'm from the school of, you know, let's let's find a freshman who can contribute on special teams and and let give them a shot. So, you know, maybe let's see what CRI can do when he gets here. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's that's another candidate, maybe. Uh, maybe yeah. I what Prophet Brown, who knows? Even Jalen Smith, yeah, all these guys. Oh, Jim, there you go. He, he is what the mm-hmm. uber athlete of the class. I mean, so, right. But, you know, from what I got to see during the spring, um, Gary Bryant and I think Katie Nixon would probably be the first two guys I would trot out there. Just be one because they've got the ability to, to make somebody miss and then put a foot in the ground and go. Yeah, and I think that's probably part of the reason why they USC saw Katie Nixon as a as someone they wanted to target, right? Right. Because when you looked at the roster at that moment, you know they weren't lacking in high end talent, but they were lacking in depth and guys that could go out there and contribute in any facet. Right. So you can throw Katie Nixon out in the slot if you know, let's say Gary Gary Bryant pulls a hamstring and he needs to come out. You can throw him out there, but reliably you can put him out there at punt return and kickoff return because he's been in those big stages and he can handle it, and he's a veteran. So I'm uh, I'm with you on that. I agree. Yeah, and you'll probably see him back there on kickoff return as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is just another way to get these guys on the field and um, get them some, some repetitions where, you know, especially if you're playing wide receiver and talk about a room yeah. that's going to be really crowded. Yeah. Welcome back, Kyle and, Ford, by the way. Yeah, and I'm not surprised that you mentioned guys like Keontae Ingram and uh, Brandon Campbell back there too because we saw Keenan Christen back there a lot as well last year. And right. actually, if you – Go back to that UCLA kickoff return Gary Bryant had. Keenan Christian was the other returner on the field that, for that. So, yeah, a lot of different options for Sean Snyder. You mentioned he likes two, having two explosive guys back there on a kickoff return, and we'll see who emerges as that punt returner as the season comes. Yeah, you know, who knows? We might even see two guys lined up back there on a punt return. You know, oh, yeah? Maybe get that Michael Pittman fake, uh, fake return going. Oh, man. That was, as someone who was in the stadium that day, that was, that was amazing. Um, we touched on some of these names earlier like Sierra Wright, Prophet Brown, Jalen Smith Um, the question is outside of Corey Foreman Mm -hmm. because we know what Corey Foreman is capable of which of the remaining players yet to show up on campus are you most excited to get a look at on the practice field Mm -hmm. I know we still haven't really seen Ishmael Softshire so I think he is one but who among the rest that arrived this fall are we most wanting to see if they can help us in 2021 I know my answer but I want to hear your opinion first yeah, you know, I think out of that list, I think Rajon Davis is probably the first one that's going to pop out. Would you agree, Josh? Yeah, I, yeah. I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm all in on him. Yeah, because he is, you know, from when you watch the modern day film, they use him a lot as a pass rusher. 
but that's not even where he projects best at the next level. Right. He's he's projecting more as an inside guy, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. And you know, he's everything you want in a modern linebacker. He's physical, he can rush the passer, and he can uh he can cover like a DB. So I mean he really checks all the boxes. And, and I think you saying that he can cover like a DB, you know, like a safety in a box type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're going to see his immediate impact is on special teams. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, those gunners on kickoff return that, you know, kind of races the ball to the, to the <laughs> kickoff returner to see who can get there first. And um, that's a good type of, that's a good way to get on the field. If you're a linebacker, you know, get your feet wet, feet get the speed of the game. And then, you know, eventually, you know, earn some, you know, some playing time in the rotation. So uh, obviously, you know, he's going to be the first guy. Uh, out of those offensive linemen that are coming in, you know, with, you know, Max Gibbs and, and Ty and, and Mason Murphy, um, welcome to the uh, club red shirt. Because, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to hear their names very often this year. And they shouldn't. I mean, right. I, hope we don't. Ha- yeah. I hope we don't have to. Yeah. yeah. If anybody has that expectation, um, you need to recalibrate because that's just stupid. I, I can't say it any nicer than that. So, um, you know, we mentioned the other names, and I guess what the last person on that list was what? Um, Mobley. Colin Mobley, the, the defensive tackle, mm-hmm. defensive end from, uh, from back east, DC area. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting prospect. Um, you know, can he, you know, have a similar type of impact that Tuli, Tuli Pelotu had as a freshman? You know, Vic Soto, you know, this is somebody that he he wanted. And I'm not going to argue with the guy. So if it's good enough for Soto and his uh, sleeveless shoulders, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, and go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. He's got the track record, right, for Vic Soto. I mean, this is, right. you know, Coach Orlando, Coach Niver, they were getting the best prospects in the country at Texas. But Coach Soto was at Virginia. He's really developing those guys. And so if he if he spots a talent that he thinks he can develop, hey, then I'm all for it. Um, on the offensive side, I'm super yeah. excited about Taj Washington as well. Freshman All-American at Memphis. See what he can do. But where do you see his impact, Josh? Is it going to be in as a wide receiver? Is it going to be on special teams? Well, I think there's a bit of there's a lot of different things going on here. One, I think they're planning for the future a little bit. Okay. Because guys like Drake London and Brew McCoy, like, it's kind of crazy how Brew McCoy has technically only been here for like one season, like six games or whatever, but he, you wrote about this too, and he could declare right. it's pretty wild. Like, And you really never know what the, that chart is going to look like. And so he's an interesting take because this is a kid that was really talented and was looking for a, le- a step up, it seems. And he got it here, and he's going to be thrust in there. He's going to compete. I, I could see him breaking into the rotation, honestly. How much will, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, the um, we, we've mentioned their, their names a, a couple times already, though. But the Malcolm Epps and Michael Trigg, I think out of the receivers that are coming in, you know, with Manjack and uh, Ware Hudson being the other guys, uh, the former Triggs and Epps are probably going to be the guys that, that have the best chance just because of their size. Um, you know, they don't bring anything extra to the table as far as speed. Um, I've seen, you know, Keaton Ware, uh, excuse me, Kyron. Kyron. Kyron, yeah, Kyron. 
<laughs> Apologies to the Hudson Ware family, um, because that is a split household, and we'll get to that in a second. But, um, yeah. you know, I see him kind of in, in that Darius Rogers mold. So let's mm. give him another year to, you know, just to kind of redshirt, maybe get, you know, get 100% healthy. That's another, that's been an issue for, for Kyron when he's at, since he's been at modern day. Uh, this year, he didn't get to play the whole season because he was dealing with some nagging injuries. So maybe a year in the weight, you know, the weight program with USC and just working out with the guys uh, would be the best learning tool for him. Again, same thing with Manjack. So, um, yeah, I, I think Triggs and Epps are probably on the offensive side, the guys to look for, for any type of, you know, co any type of contribution, I guess. Yeah, and that's where the, that's where the void is, right? And they're looking for that with Drake playing mostly on the outside. Now they're looking for that replacement on right. the inside. So well, I think it's a, it's very calculated. Well, but again, you know, like I, I mentioned a little bit ago, Kyle Ford is back. You know, he announced via social media that he's full go. So if that means he's back to full contact, you've now got Brew McCoy and Kyle Ford, who if people remember were part of the same recruiting class. Now I don't think Kyle Ford's going anywhere after the season. You know, the dude has literally played a total of four games since he's been here. He's got one reception. Run for 20 yards. Touch. Touchdown. His touchdown, yeah. <laughs> if I remember correctly. But he's got one reception. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, this wide receiver room, you know, even though it was thin at the end of spring, you've now got a couple of five stars getting ready to join Drake London and Gary Bryant, who are proven commodities. You've gone, you've got John Jackson the third, who, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I'm over here ready to jump in the slot as well. Yeah, it I think summer, I think the the PRPs, it's gonna be that that group is gonna be highly, highly competitive. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be interesting to see how comfortable who can stand that room and how uncomfortable it gets. Because we're talking about these other guys who are still showing up also. And I want to say this real quick. I don't necessarily mind that because that no. means that you are recruiting at a high level and you're bringing in really, really talented players. There was a, and this is an example I want to bring up is this receiver from Ohio State named Jameson Williams. He caught a pass in the college. He went to Alabama. Right. But, you know, you look at that depth chart and you guys got, you got guys like Olave and Garrett Wilson and, and Mecca Book. Like, you know, sometimes you just have so much talent that not everybody can get reps. And Jameson Williams, this is a guy that caught a touchdown in the college football playoff. And he ends up going to Alabama, right? So sometimes it's you just have so much talent and you got to just spread it out somehow, and you can't, you necessarily can't do that sometimes. And I guess to, I guess that gives USC a little bit of an advantage when you look at it from that situation because of the system they run, ironically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's a blessing and a curse. Right? Yeah. Now, here we want USC to have a bigger and better run game, yet you've got, NFL receivers just, you know, kind of coming out of your pores. Um, and this is why it comes down to you really need to have a, an offensive coordinator that knows how to utilize the talent. I guess we'll find out this year with Graham Harrell, because this, this is one of the most talented rosters on offense that, that Clay Helton has, will have had. No doubt about it. If you want to use the star rankings, everybody likes to use them. You got a couple of five stars and Brew McCoy and Kyle Ford. 
you're, you know, you got a bunch of four stars. The running backs are all four star or higher. There you go, guys. Ironically, the uh, the, the starting quarterback is the three star. Right. From the group, that's the ironic part. But obviously, right. we know Keenan has uh, played that ranking. Right, and and again, you know, everybody talks about the the lack of talent or you know, how poorly USC has been recruiting. Well, you know, USC potentially could have three first round draft picks in the next draft, literally. They could potentially have 13 names called throughout the draft, which would double what they have this year. This is, yeah. It's just a cycle you know, of how things work sometimes. I always thought that, you know, this past year was the year in a lot of ways for them to make a run, but right. looking at the talent they have coming back, you know, this is another year that they can do it. And it should be every year at USC. Let's be, let's just be honest. Correct. Um, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it at that for now. Correct. All right. We'll uh, shift our focus to hoops. Now Mark's been dropping. Little, if you guys followed Mark, Mark's little nuggets on the board, if you aren't already, you should, because he drops little recruiting notes in there that often come to fruition. So be on the lookout for those. Um, here's a question from Jay Kakis. What's your top nine players for USC going into this next season? Ugh. We'll start with that. Yeah. So obviously this all depends on Isaiah Mobley. We're, we're still kind of in, you know, Mobley limbo waiting for him to, has he even made any type of declaration one way or the other? He, no, all we have so far is the, uh, I'm declaring, but we don't Evan know. Is, Evan, yeah. We know what Evan's doing. We know what Evan's going to be doing since he arrived at USC. Yeah. But, um, you know, with Isaiah, you know, I've kind of talked about, you know, some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes with, you know, is he you know, waiting for that feedback to come back from the NBA that if he gets enough positive, is he willing to, you know, try and be one of those two-way players that just signs on with an NBA team and works his way in from the G League? Or, you know, the longer he takes, you know, is he now leaning to coming back to USC? And I'm starting to kind of get that feeling right now. The longer it takes, he's probably coming back. Because I would think he would have gotten some feedback by now, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously there's two ways of looking at that. You know, he's trying to put a statement together also. Who knows? But assuming he's coming back, um, he's going to be the anchor. You know, but it's does his game change because, you know, he was starting to show what he can do from the outside, from behind the arc. USC doesn't have that offensive weapon down low anymore with Evan heading off to make millions. So does he come back to play in the post? Um, after that, you know, you've got Chavez Goodwin, who's going to immediately step in, I think, to the starting rotation. Um, Ethan Anderson, is going to obviously maintain. You've got Drew Peterson, Isaiah White. So um, from there, I'm really intrigued by by the Bubakar. By Bubakar. Really? Yeah, by Bubakar Kulabali. Yeah, he's an athlete. He is, that he is. He's an athlete. What, you know, obviously Max Agbonpolo, he's going to be, he's probably going to be the fifth starter. Um, he's got that, he's got that NBA profile body that they like. 
you know, you know, I've spoken about it last year with Max. It, for him, he just needs to slow it down a little bit and let the game kind of just come to his natural abilities. Hopefully as a junior, he'll be able to do that. But Koulibaly, um, yeah, he, you know, he's just got that European natural talent, even though he's not from Europe, I get it. Um, but, you know, he's got that ability just to, you know, he's got a nice smooth stroke from the outside, but he's already physically strong enough to play down low. So he's my, he's that intriguing prospect for me uh, that might be able to take that next jump um, because they're going to be a different team next year. Uh, you know, obviously yeah, like Boogie that. Ellis, I, I want to see how they're going to blend him in. And then you got the, you know, you, you've got Reese Waters, you've got Malik Thomas coming in uh, from Damien High School. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of pieces to this team, but they're going to be, you know, last year they were what, the, the biggest team. They're yeah. still going to be long. I don't, I just don't know if they're going to have that same type of makeup. It's going to be an interesting team. Where do you see Joshua Morgan fitting in? The center, the transfer yeah, center? I see him coming off the bench as that defensive presence. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. he, he just, yeah, he would be that second wave of play. He'd be that second group. So if you're looking for that, you know, seven to, seven to nine players, he's in that group. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? No, I was just I was just curious because this is a guy that won Defensive Player of the Year in his conference. No, albeit it's not a Power Five conference, it's still correct. Now, but you know, do you want to do you want to build the team around him though? No, I mean he's not he's not Evan Mobley. He's kind of right. like if you took the offensive side of Evan away in some ways. Not quite the defender either, but he's got that have a shot blocking ability and yes, he does uh, rim protection. That's what he offers. Yeah, I, like I said, it, you know, people knock Coach Enfield, you know, they think he gets by on all the talent and everything. This is going to be an interesting year because, like I said, the makeup of this team is going to be so different than, you know, I was I was ready to say they don't have a superstar, you know, that McDonald's All-American, big-time name, ready to, you know, be a top-five pick that he's, had, that he's had for the last few years. Um, you know, Isaiah Mobley is obviously a McDonald's All-American. But what is Boogie Ellis? You know, is he that player that can take this team, keep them at that elite eight level? What are your thoughts? Well, I think he, well, this is a the guy they've been after heavily. Yeah, they missed on him twice. Third time, yeah, third time, time of the time, yeah. right? He's, he's got a lot of that scoring ability. And I really, I really think he fits right into that uh, Taj Eady mold, mm. right? Just come in and be a combo guard. He can handle a little bit, do a little bit of playmaking. But the main thing with him is that he's got to be that perimeter presence as a scorer. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think he fits in. Whether he can be that kind of stable presence that Tajidi was, we'll see. You know, one thing about Boogie is that he can fill up the stat sheet, but efficiency has been a bit of a struggle for him. You know, the percentages aren't always great. Here, I'm curious to see what that looks like. And here's my concern with Boogie, whether it's valid or not. I think he's here for one year. And does he want to use that one year to be a team player? Or does he want to use that one year to be a Boogie Ellis NBA player? You know, that was the difference, I think, between Tajidi. I don't think he ever had any aspirations coming in and saying, you know what, I'm going to use this platform to be a Tajidi NBA player. 
I don't know if, you know, that's something that, you know, the staff is going to have to, to kind of watch mm -hmm. um, because, you know, one of the issues last year for the team was having that, was that point guard position, you know, is Ethan Anderson healthy? Is he ready to be the point guard? Because uh, last year, you know, there was times where it looked like he regressed a little bit, but we also know that he was playing with some, some back issues. And lest we forget, you know, this team, when they started practice last year, they're out oh, on the freaking yeah. blacktop in 90 degree heat during the summer. They couldn't yeah. be near each other. Like, how can you practice basketball without being near? like, yeah. it, it, it was a disaster. Um, let's, let's, let's do this. Uh, let's assume that Isaiah Mobley isn't coming back because okay. obviously if he's coming back, then he's going to be one of the starting five. Right. So if he's not coming back, how would you, how do you anticipate the starting five being filled out. Yeah, man, this is a completely different team without him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how good they are without him. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not saying the roster isn't a Pac-12 roster. It is. Um, but then I, I think you now, all of a sudden now, I think Boogie Ellis becomes the centerpiece because he's probably the most developed offensive player on the team. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm looking at the roster and I'm thinking, who, who else would that be? So again, that's why I go back to, you know, Isaiah needs to kind of poop or get off the pot. You know, we need to coach. And I'm sure the team already has an idea. The staff already has an idea what's going to happen. But, you know, we want to know. And I'd be able to yeah. better answer that question. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think the biggest thing with this is that it can be it can be very different depending on the approach that Andy Enfield wants to take. So if he's really gun ho about this big lineup thing, then yeah, I mean, why not throw up a lineup out there with Chavez Goodwin and Joshua Morgan, right? As as your two block guys. Or if you want to space it out more, go a little smaller, probably Isaiah White at the four, Drew Peterson at the three, and just have Chavez Goodwin play the five. Yeah, see here. You got to make sure you still have the shooters out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as well as Isaiah White shot it from, from the three last year, I don't really think that's his game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the most well-developed looking shot, I guess is the best way to put it. You're not watching Clay Thompson out there. We'll put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it like that. Um, you know, our designated three-point shooter, Noah Bellman, has decided to, you know, go elsewhere. So you've got Drew Peterson left. And then, you know, you've got Reese, Reese Waters. You've got um, Malik Thomas coming in. So, again, mm -hmm. we've got to see these other pieces, the new, fresh, the new pieces that are coming in to see you know, who's going to be the outside shooter. Um, yeah, it's going to be a different team. Without Isaiah Mobley... You know, I think we explore your Josh Morgan in the middle. You have mm -hmm. to have that defensive presence, and then you find the offense and build around him. But I think uh, Boogie probably becomes your offensive centerpiece. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, too. I'm very in interested to see also Reese Waters, mm -hmm. because I think he became, he's got that from his high school film, at least. He's got that playmaking presence. It's, it reminds me a little bit of Shea Gillis' Alexander on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kind of that Kind of that guy that's very crafty. Obviously, there's Ethan Anderson there too. So, well, let's put the Reese is not afraid to put the ball up. Oh, that's what, that we saw. On the floor, and that we saw. 
Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Kobe, but you know, last time I saw Kobe jacking up air balls from everywhere his rookie year, the next year he came back and he wasn't jacking up air balls. He was jacking up threes and became a really good player. So yeah, that one turned out okay. Yeah, that one turned okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So. All right. So we are now at the last question for the episode from Redondo Beach SC. Yeah. Just listen to Bruce Feldman's podcast where he thinks Mario Cristobal will be the top contender for the USC job. On a scale of one to 10, how big of a disaster would a Cristobal hire be? Can I just say one thing really quick? Go. Why, why is the Bruce Feldman podcast talking about this right now? Yeah. Um, you there is me. no opening. At, you know, I didn't watch that. I didn't listen to the episode. So I don't know if there's any context behind that. It's just why why I, I yeah i don't understand why look we do a lot of speculation on our site on usc.scoop.com you know that's but you know we we try and keep it within the realm of you know this is actually when we hint about something it's because something is actually imminent imminent right yeah i i don't know why but to answer that question of you know from zero to ten um Probably a six and a half, seven. Because what has the great Mario Cristobal done since he's been at Oregon? You know, people think, well, he's just kicking our, he's kicking USC's ass with recruiting. But is he really? I mean, he's had one, two really good classes. But those are coming on the heels of, you know, where was USC going? USC's made some changes. And, you know, once USC made those changes, all of a sudden you've got Corey Foreman saying, hey, I'm going to stick around and go to USC. You've got Sia Wright saying, I'm going to stick around and go to USC. You've already got Damani Wright in 2022 saying, I'm going to go to USC. Mike so, Jackson, yep. Yeah, Damani Jackson. So, again, what has Mario done? If they want to say, well, you know, he's undefeated against Clay Helton. Is that your bar for the people who are anti-Clay Helton? I always, I always tell people, uh, yeah, being beating Clay Helton doesn't really tell me much about you as a coach, but losing to him does. Obviously, Mario fits in that winning category, and really, I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't really feel one way or the other about it. I think the next couple of years are gonna be big for Mario because he inherited a very talented roster at Oregon. I mean, look at the look; they just had their entire secondary get drafted: Thomas Graham, Dion Medor, Lenore, uh, Brady Breeze, um, and Javon Holland. They all got drafted. Penny Sua won the first round, and then Justin Herbert won the year before. So, you know, we we go ahead. Let me ask you this, Josh: If if Mario Cristobal was at USC, would they be recruiting better than USC's recruiting now? Maybe a little bit. Maybe more or less the same. More or less the same. More or less the same. But give you know, X's and O's. What you know, USC last year, they lost. You know, Oregon beat USC. Barely. I mean, how many turnovers did did it take for Oregon to win that game? Like, they gave him the ball twice in the first quarter. Right. And for for as for as crappy of a game, you know, game that as USC played, it wasn't because they were being outcoached. It was just no, that's really yeah. poor execution. So you know, I, I don't know, man. What does he bring? What has he done at Oregon? You know, he's great with social media. 
He's, you know, he's a very energetic guy. Absolutely. But, you know, that shit wears off really quickly. And so does a lot of his recruiting tactics. And I actually, you know, there's a lot of, when I say we got to wait and see with Mario, it's that, you know, sometimes when a coach comes in and he has an uber talented quarterback, you know, the success is there, but is it really him or is it the quarterback? We literally saw this at, US, at USC with Clay Helton in 2016. They won. A, it's so funny. You see the parallel. They won a Rose Bowl with Sam. Right. And Mario wins a Rose Bowl with Justin Herbert. Right. Right. And then they come back the next year. And I just want to say, like, first of all, he's un, he's under 500 as a head coach. Right. In total. And I don't care. I know they had a lot of opt-outs. I know they had a lot of issues. But you cannot be losing to Oregon State and Cal in the same year. Just you, you It's just unacceptable. Right. And if they lose that, if, if USC beats Oregon in that game, how much of a different conversation are we having about Mario Cristobal? It's not even, yeah, again, why that was even a topic with Bruce Feldman, I don't know. I, I, maybe I should go listen to it and find out what the context was. I'm intrigued. I gotta say I'm intrigued. <coughs> I, I just don't know what Mario brings to the table. And that's not because that, you know I'm an anti-Oregon guy. Yeah, those guys get under my skin, absolutely. I'll be the first to admit it. I think they're fans <laughs> You know, people to say, you know, who are the least educated fans in the conference, they jump right to the top of the list. I mean, you, you read some of the stuff that goes on um, with their sites, Josh, it's it's comical. Uh, some rough takes, some rough yeah, takes. Some rough takes, yeah. That's a very polite way of putting it. A so, very uh, PC way of putting it. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I think USC could do better. A lot better. And I just want to say, man, that the who was the last opponent that Oregon played? Do you know who they played in the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, they, they lost, didn't they? They lost to Iowa State. Who coaches Iowa State? Matt Campbell. I'm just saying, you saw, hey, if there's USC fans that want Mario Cristobal, you saw him go against elite. You want to talk about elite coaches? Matt Campbell is elite, man. You saw that. And Iowa State, they took it to him. You know, Oregon is supposed to be the physical school that with offensive linemen. You watch that game, Iowa State took it to them. Yeah. Well, Oregon's going to be breaking in. You know, I don't know if they're going to be breaking in, but, you know, they're going to have some quarterback issues this year. It's uh, an interesting room. It's an interesting room. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, they got Ohio State, right? Yeah. Which you know, I think is at the shoe this year. It was supposed yeah. to be in Austin last year, and that game obviously didn't happen. Mm. I'm a little bit confused on that, too. I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. Yeah, maybe we'll they'll be decided. Who knows? But uh, regardless of where the game's played, um, I anticipate um, Ohio State having a fairly easy time with that game. Again, only because Oregon has some quarterback issues. So not, I think I've spent enough time on Oregon. The, the point of the question was, no, I don't think Mario is the answer. Yeah. Uh, you went six and a half. I was I was gonna go ten. Uh, just to be clear, yep. Uh, it, the game is going to be in Columbus. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I, I don't think uh, they have the the Mark the Matt Barkley Joe McKnight drive in them to get oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, to get that. that um, you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Any, I mean, this is just a complete hypothetical. Uh, Oregon fans, 
don't come after us. We didn't bring this up out of nowhere. We were asked. Right. Um, good luck in 2021. No hard feelings. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you, you you follow the Pied Piper and you go by the information you're given on a daily basis. And uh, those guys on a weekly basis get some juice that sometimes uh, I taste good to them. But if you're pouring it for some outside observers, they're probably going to push that glass right back and say, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. That's how I, that's how I feel. Yeah. All right, Mark. Good episode. This was fun. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do this again. You know, this time of year, there's, there's not a lot going on. So um, I'm still trying to figure out if there's even going to be a Monday morass for tomorrow. Uh, that's how that's how thin things are right now. But things should be changing really soon. Camps are starting. Um, like you know, you will see. We'll have camps as well. So. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. June 1st, recruits are going to be starting to flow on campus left and right. So yeah, things are things are starting to be good again. Yep. Things will be even better once the Dodgers forgot how to win baseball games. <laughs> and you know, USC school will have it all covered for you. That's right. That's right. And let's give props to uh, women's beach volleyball, right? Yes. Yes. Who they be? Crazy. Who they be? Maybe UCLA. Maybe oh. UCLA. That's right. Yeah. Some of y'all know I covered uh, beach volleyball when I was a freshman year at USD, and it's pretty cool to see. There's some players on the rosters who are still here, and they won. It's pretty dope to see them all win. So shout out to y'all. Another natty for the Trojans. I'll take it. Especially when it's coming against those uh, people from the, the other team side. in Westwood. The yeah. team in Westwood. So we want to thank everybody for the questions. Um, we'll do this again soon. Uh, so start thinking. We'll give you plenty of time. Uh, what else is coming up, Josh? Anything? Well, if there is, I'm having trouble thinking of it. Yeah. This is, like I said, this has kind of been an off week, so to speak. Um, so, we again, we thank everybody for giving us some content to use. We appreciate yeah. it a lot. And the more, the better. Yeah. And uh, Scott should be back uh, with us. He's been with us, but he's back. He's visiting some family. Uh, Brandon's doing the, the Mother's Day thing with his family tonight, so... Uh, again, Josh and I are here for you. So, till next week, Scoop TV signing off. And uh, we're one big Trojan family podcast. Fight on. Fight on. <laughs>